A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be disarticulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 153. I'm your host, Norm, The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So The Master's Dog is a podcast I do dealing with false teachings, false teachers, false doctrine, false gospels, anything that is an attack, an affront to God's truth, like the quote at the beginning of the introduction by John Calvin, I bark. I would be a coward if God's truth were attacked and I yet were, were to remain silent because even a dog <clears throat> barks when his master is attacked. And I just kind of butchered that whole quote up, but you get the gist. And so I started this out a couple years back. The guys over at Three Mormons, which is now Saints Unscripted, started a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs where they initially went through the 13 articles of faith. And I saw that as an opportunity to say, let's respond to these videos and show how the articles of faith do not line up with Orthodox Christianity. Well, after we finished those, uh, I think it was only like 11 or 12 episodes because they combined a couple. They continued on. David continued on doing issues of doctrine and theology and history and so on. Some of the episodes have been really in... um, informative and worthy to be responded to others were just kind of nothing and they really didn't warrant a response but for the most part i've responded to every single one i have not reacted to every video i've had some where i've just thrown up a screenshot and said here's what it is and it is what it is and we don't really care for it and there you go but for the most part gone through the videos, responded to the things he says, which is what I'm going to do today. Today we are back to our roots of this podcast. Oh, well, how did it become the master's dog of faith and beliefs refuted? A few months down the road, I decided I wanted to deal with other false teachers like Joel Osteen and uh, Stephen Furtick and Creflo Dollar and guys like that. So I expanded out dealing with atheists and new age people too. Uh, became the master's dog from Faith and Beliefs Refuted. So that's the background on the podcast. For those who are new, continue to get more and more new subscribers. Thank you to you guys who are continually liking the videos, commenting on the videos, sharing the videos. That really helps the uh, algorithm, that guy, to send the video out to more and more people. Yes, I called him algorithm long before uh, Space Jam did. So I didn't steal it from anyone, uh, just taking his likeness for the back. I'm surprised I haven't got a copyright claim on that one yet. Um, it makes the algorithm send out to more people who would like to see the video. So thank you all. You know, Keep those comments coming. Amazingly enough, the comments are, are a huge part of that algorithm. So keep them coming. Questions, comments, snide remarks. I'll take all of the smoke. Um, so today, 
we are going to get back to the basics of this podcast. We're going to respond to David Snell over at Saints Unscripted. Last week, he talked a little bit about priesthood authority. This week, he's going to talk about how that priesthood authority was lost. So, for the most part, most of what he says, I'm just going to let him talk. I'm, I'm, You know me. I'll jump in and interject anytime I possibly can. But for the most part, I'm going to let him talk, and then I'm going to bring up some issues with everything that he said. So, uh, without further ado, here is our friend David Snell from Saints Unscripted with what happened to the priesthood after the apostles died. Hey guys, so Latter-day Saints believe that after the era of the apostles ended, the priesthood authority given to the apostles to run the church was lost, and the world fell into what we call the great apostasy. This loss of priesthood necessitated a restoration of the priesthood, which we believe occurred in 1829. If you want to learn more about the priesthood and the great apostasy, please go watch these videos. But in the church, we usually talk about the loss of the priesthood in rather general terms. Today, I wanted to dive a little deeper into this subject. Why do we believe the priesthood was lost? What happened to it? Where did it go? Let's talk about it. All right, David, let's talk about it. Where did it go? I've got a few ideas. All right, so Jesus Christ ordained apostles and gave them priesthood power and authority to lead the entire church with, we believe, Peter as the mortal president after Christ's death. As long as the apostles lived, there existed a living authoritative voice to which appeal could be made. But once they all had died, there was an acute question regarding the locus of authority. In other words, after the apostolic era, who had the authority to lead the church. I think Jimmy Aiken represented the Catholic position well. As the apostles died, the task of shepherding the church fell by default upon the highest ranking ministers appointed by them. This group is known today as the bishops. Apostolic succession thus involves in the bishops serving as successors to the apostles, not serving as apostles. The bishops are not simply a continuation of the office of apostle. They received the governance of the church when that office ceased. Okay, so here's the question I have right now off the bat. Why are we concerned about the Catholic position, David? I mean, you're supposed to be giving us the LDS position. And so why are we looking at the Catholic position? Again, another apostate church following after a false leader, uh, salvation by works, and so on. The organization of the Roman Catholic Church is another apostate body. Um, I will not say that there are no Catholics out there that are not saved. There may be a few that actually know the true doctrine and theology um, and the true Christ and know that they are saved by grace, by grace <laughs> through faith and not of works so that no man can boast. But still... Why are you giving us the Catholic position, David? It's not hard to see why that perspective makes some sense. If you're trying to be a faithful early Christian and the leaders of the church, the apostles, are gone, what do you do? Me? I'd probably be lying dead in a gutter somewhere. You turn to the leaders you do have, namely the bishops. But again, the bishops were not apostles, and they knew that. Ignatius, an early bishop of the church in Antioch, wrote to the Romans at the beginning of the second century, I do not, as Peter and Paul, issue commandments unto you. They were apostles. I'm but a condemned man. To the Trollians he wrote, But shall I reach such a height of self-esteem that, though being a condemned man, I should issue commands to you as if I were an apostle? These bishops, like bishops in our faith today, only held authority over their local congregations. Unlike the apostles, the bishop's jurisdiction was very limited. 
The bishops wrote letters to each other and offered counsel, but when matters arose concerning the whole church, there was no one to call a conference, as did Peter. There were no apostles to reach an authoritative decision and notify it to the universal Catholic Church. Remember that while the Bishop of Rome did soon gain some influence or authority over other bishops, the idea of the total primacy or supremacy of the Bishop of Rome was a concept that developed over centuries. And for more on that, pause and read this quote. But with that understanding, it makes more sense, for example, why the first ecumenical council of the whole church was called for and presided over by the Roman Emperor Constantine and not the Bishop of Rome. In fact, this debate over whether or not the Bishop of Rome had authority over the whole church would eventually contribute to the Great Schism of 1054. Rome believed that the Pope, the religious leader of the Western Church, should have authority over the Patriarch, the religious authority of the Eastern Church. Constantinople disagreed. Long story short, they excommunicated each other, and to this day we've got the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. Many Catholics believe that Peter was the first bishop of Rome and that he passed the keys of the kingdom down to the next bishop of Rome, believed to be Linus. I personally struggle a bit with that idea as the earliest mention of Linus as Peter's successor shows up about 100 years after Linus's death. If Linus really held authority over the entire church, it's kind of strange that nobody alive at that time, including Linus himself, seems to have acknowledged that authority. The circumstances us. Okay, keep that in mind. Keep what he just said in mind. Peter was the first bishop of Rome. Okay, that's an important to uh, point to notice. You may know where I'm going to go with go with this already, but remember, Peter, whoever his successor is, Linus or whoever, whether there's evidence for that or not we just established peter as the bishop of rome suspicious that said from a latter-day saint perspective even if linus was made the bishop of rome by peter again bishops were not apostles we do not believe that being ordained to a position by an apostle bishops were not apostles peter was the first bishop of rome you authority beyond that position that's why you have an assistant regional manager yes it is assistant to the regional manager same thing no, it's not. On his way toward martyrdom in Rome, Ignatius, the Bishop of Antioch, wrote various letters counseling the churches to look upon the bishop even as we would look upon the Lord himself. But he doesn't point to the Bishop of Rome. He points to the individual bishops of each church, Onesimus in Ephesus, Damas in Magnesia, Polybius in Tralles. Interestingly, in his letter to the Roman church, he doesn't even mention the Bishop of Rome. With the death of the apostles, there were still men holding the priesthood upon the earth, but they did not hold the necessary keys to perpetuate the priesthood. The disappearance of the apostles made it inevitable that the authority of the priesthood could not continue. That doesn't mean that there weren't still good people on the earth doing the best they could. It doesn't mean that everyone who lived during the great apostasy is damned. It doesn't mean the Holy Ghost was nowhere to be found. And it doesn't mean that all truth was lost. But from our perspective, it does then it wasn't an apostasy. If there are still faithful members of the body of Christ still doing the things that are called to be done, that's not an apostasy. It does mean that, analogous to Christ's death and resurrection, the church fell into apostasy and needed to be restored. 
Now, to be clear, this is only one facet of the great apostasy. It's not all just about priesthood. There's a lot more feeding into the subject that we didn't talk about today. Perhaps we will in future episodes. In the meantime, check out the resources in the YouTube description for more info on this. Watch some of our other videos while you're here and have a great day. Okay. So there you go. There's David's little thing. Uh, here are the things we got to remember. All right. So we've already come to the point where he said bishops aren't apostles, but Peter was the first bishop of Rome. So that bishop was an apostle. Now, I believe that the apostolic offices are gone. There's no more apostles. Mormons don't believe that. The apostles, the office of apostle has been restored in the restoration. So the bishops were not apostles, but yet there were restored apostles. Here's my conundrum with this. Jesus anointed and ordained the priesthood onto the 12, made Peter the first bishop of Rome, the apostle, the, the president of the church, right, who is an apostle and so on, first bishop of Rome. So that bishop was an apostle. So already you, you've got your, your statements, are, everything's starting to break down. Why would they not continue on making apostles like they do now. I mean, for a hundred, almost coming up on 200 years, the LDS church has had succession of apostles. Why did the apostles not do this? Why did Jesus not give that to them to do? Or did they just forget? Or were they just lazy? Or did they just fail? So when Jesus stands up and says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Okay, so the gates of hell didn't prevail against it. But the inadequacy of the apostles who Jesus called did? Right? And you've got these other guys saying, look to the bishops as you would to the Lord. Why would that not make them apostles? Like the apostles in the LDS church today. If someone is saying, look to these men as you would look to the Lord, wouldn't that be the same as saying, look to them as you did the other apostles? Because if we're looking to them as to the Lord, the apostles are a step down. So we should be looking at those bishops as we did the apostles and then as to the Lord. Do you not see the conundrum in all of this? This is LDS deception. This is what happens when they, when they work to deceive you into going, oh, well, this and this, and look, here, let's move this around, and where's that in under this cup, and smokescreen, and poof. That's what Mormons do. It's been being done for almost 200 years. It is a consistent lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. And then they, you know, they try to mix it up and make it look pretty and do all this stuff. But bottom line is, it's all deception. It makes absolutely no sense that if this is the structure that Jesus wanted for his church, that he would not instruct his initial apostles to continue it on. Joseph Smith had to make all this garbage up so he could justify the, 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 the con that he passed on all these people and the cult that he created. Now, granted, yes, I do not call the LDS Church a cult today. I call it a pseudo-Christian uh, denomination, a heretical denomination, a heretical sect.
because it has become an established religion. It's no longer a cult the way it was under Joseph Smith, who was, again, this man who was taking money from these people, putting things together in a, in a united order, a utopian system, you know, taking wives from other men who were still alive. Joseph Smith was your classic David Koresh, Jim Jones, everybody else, only he ended up dying and didn't cause all of his people to kill themselves. I know that's offensive, but it's true. And then as the church grew and grew and grew and grew and became this established thing, then yeah, it, the, the, the dynamics changed and everything else, but it still comes into the fact that this is a heretical sect and it makes absolutely no sense for Joseph to go, oh, well, yeah, the apostles, they were, they were pretty, uh, you know, bumbling oaves. That, that that forgot oafs. Oafs oafs what's the what's the plural of oaf? Oves? Loaves? Oh okay. Right? That they were so inadequate that they forgot to carry on the structure of the church, to make new apostles, to pass on to a new president. And why were they not called these things? I mean, they're called president and quorum of the twelve and stuff like that nowadays. First, uh, first bishopric or the the uh, uh, presiding bishopric, the first council, the first presidency. Yeah, why were they not called these things in Jesus's day? Why were they? Why was everything different? Why were they bishops and not apostles, and and so on? Right. So again. Jesus did not establish this format uh, or this this uh, structure of church government. Joseph Smith did. Did he base it off of what he saw in the Bible with quorums of the 70 and quorums of the 12? And blah, blah? Yes. But none of this was established by Jesus because he would have passed it on to the apostles. They would have passed it on to their successors and so on and so on and so on. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And your claim of an apostasy says that that was a lie. Says that the church fell. Because if the church didn't fail, there was no great apostasy. You cannot have both. You can't. It does, the two do not exist together. If there is a remnant of the church, then there is no apostasy. Because what does it mean to apostatize? All truth is lost. As long as you have some people there, which you claim to have, you know, and, and LDS tradition claims that, that John never died, the three Nephites never died, and so on. So there's still that, that, that structure would be there. There would be no great apostasy. So either there is a great apostasy and all the things that you said were not true and the, the, the apostles were, were bumbling idiots, forgot to, to, oh, Jesus told us to, oh, we forgot. I'm, I'm, I'm here getting my head cut off and I didn't anoint or appoint or ordain another high priest in my place or another bishop in my place or another apostle to the quorum of the twelve in my place. We didn't do these things. So we're not, again, which, which is it? What is the deal, David? You have to answer that question because the two don't go together. It does not make any sense that Jesus would organize this, this grand structure of a, of a church and then the apostles just go, eh, we're going to drop the ball. Let that mirror drop and let everybody come and take their little bit of the truth and blah, blah, blah. You know, that LDS uh, analogy. 
that talks about what happened when the apostles died. The whole truth fell and the mirror shattered and everybody took their Bob and Jim and Joe and Larry Curley and Mo took their little piece of the, the truth and, and went off and made their own church. But no one had the whole thing until Joseph Smith came back. And then those apostles were, you know, so much better. Well, and I mean, and, and Joseph Smith did brag that I've done more than Jesus ever did. None of my people ever ran away from me, but Jesus's people ran from him. And Jesus's people couldn't manage to maintain a structure of a church that Jesus gave to them, but Joseph Smith's people did. So maybe Joseph is right in his, in his being a little braggadocious about what he did with the LDS church, because apparently even Jesus and the apostles couldn't accomplish that. Do you get it? Do you get it? My LDS friend, run. Get out. They are lying to you over and over and over again. It is a deception that has gone on for nearly 200 years. And they've gotten really, really good at it. And the reality is, the reason why most people don't want to leave the Mormon church is pride. They do not want to admit that they were wrong or that they were duped. I sure didn't. It was hard for me to go, man, I believed all this for so many years. I mean, how was I so dull? How did I not, how did I miss all that? How did I not get it? My LDS friend, run. And my Christian friend, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.